Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's risen from his deathbed to see you. It's Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Oh, how lovely to see you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome uh, to Rich Hang's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. I was hanging around with Inch High, Private Eye. <laughs> Scraping the bottom of the barrel. And like, that, there's people my age who will have no idea what that is. I don't know why I'm even looking at you. I mean, Inch High. Remember Inch High, Private Eye? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He calls it Rallist of us. I don't know if that's going to catch on. I'm a little bit ill. Uh, I think I'm okay. I've been, you know, I've been, I, I did seven podcasts in four days last week, which may, may have been too many podcasts in three different towns. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a mistake. And then I've, and I got ill, and uh, uh, I think I'm nearly better, but uh, I've got a little bit of a croaky voice, if that's, if that's just to explain that. But uh, luckily, uh, I have been, I've discovered someone, um, called Chris Cooper, I believe, uh, sent me a, an emergency question that had been created 
by uh, artificial intelligence, these chat things that you can put in. And I've just, I've been lying in bed just thinking, I don't need to do any work ever again now. I'm going to prove it with this episode. Uh, the emergency que- this is the emergency question that uh, artificial intelligence came up to write a question in the style of Richard Herring. I think this is the first... This was the first one I saw. I think this one's pretty good. Uh, If you were stuck in a lift with a sentient jar of pickles that claimed to be your long-lost brother, would you believe him? And if so, would you risk tasting his briny essence to confirm his identity? Or would you prefer to remain a cucumber coward? They're not all that good, but that, that one is sort of like... That one was so scarily I could have written that. Um, I, uh, I did, I, there's a lot, I've got a whole, I've, I've got loads, so it's great, I don't have to ever work again. So we'll, we'll mainly do uh, artificial intelligent ones today. Uh, I'll give you some examples, though there's a couple that I probably won't ask, like, if the world were to be populated entirely by Richard Herring lookalikes, would it be a utop- utopia of Herring-based hilarity, or a nightmarish dystopia where the same jokes are repeated ad infinitum? I'm sort of being... Oh, dissed by a fucking artificial intelligence there. Ask it again. <laughs> uh, ask it again. <laughs> um, uh, would you rather be forced to sit through an eternity of Big Brother episodes or be stuck in a room with Richard Herring reciting an endless stream of bad jokes? That is not... That's not what I asked for. Um, there's, a, there's a few good ones in there, though. Um, what would be the worst experience of being eaten by a giant? That's a good, that's a good question. <laughs> Uh, I asked uh, ChatGPT, is it cheating to have sex with ChatGPT? I asked it that. Uh, it says, no, it's not cheating to have sex with ChatGPT. ChatGPT is a chatbot, not a real person, so it's not considered cheating. So there we go. Got quite flirty with me there, didn't it? It's up for it. Uh, I, I thought, again, save me some time when I was ill. Uh, I've, I, I asked it to write the opening monologue for an episode of Rahalastapa. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, hopefully not. <laughs> and anyone else who's found themselves inexplicably drawn to this podcast, like a moth to a flame or, bre- or a Brexiteer to a pint of warm beer. Bit political. Uh, welcome to another episode of Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or Rahalastapa for short. That's, I mean, that's not what I would say, is it? Now, I know what you're thinking. Who is this chat GPT character? And why is she opening for Richard Herring? I, didn't, I never asked it for her to be a... F- I don't think female chat GPTs are that funny, so I don't... I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you, you, what's happening to you, David? You've gone, you've gone insane with your heckling. Are you drunk? Good. <laughs> um, did he find what happened? Why is she opening for Richard Herring? Did he finally run out of comedians who are willing to be seen in public with him? Well, the truth is, I'm not a comedian. I'm actually an AI language model designed to generate text. But don't worry, I've been programmed with plenty of jokes and witty banter to keep you entertained for the next hour or so. And speaking of entertaining, we have a fantastic guest for you today. They've been described as the funniest thing to come out of insert guests' hometown here. <laughs> So, Sedgefield, for our first guest. Uh, since the insert humorous local landmark, landmark or product here. I mean, that's, not, that's no good, is it? Uh, so, I've inserted. So, it's the funniest thing to come out of Sedgefield since the Seddersfield Hall. 
Yeah, some fans of Sedgefield in there. I'm not just saying that because I was programmed to. So sit back, relax. That's what I say. And get ready to laugh until your sides hurt or until you realise that the bleak, uncaring void of existence will inevitably swallow us all. (laughs) Whichever comes first. It's time for Rahalastapa with Richard Herring and our very special guest. He is probably... That's quite good, wasn't it? That was all right. I don't need to... Do I... I might... I might not need to do that. I might be replaced. I might be replaceable. Uh, our guest tonight is probably best known for his appearance as Teddy in Footballers' Wives. Will you please welcome the incredible Mark Gatiss, ladies and gentlemen. Mark Gatiss. Here he is. Come on in. Teddy from Footballers' Wives. That's true, yes. That, that yeah. is what I'm most recognised for. <laughs> get, get that a lot with your famous catchphrase. Yeah. What, 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 was, was Teddy an agent or something? He was an agent, yeah, yeah. football agent. I asked to do it because I, I wanted to do something really trashy and I remember, <laughs> I thought, it was, yeah, it was fun. I had my catchphrase was foot, foot, some football or something. <laughs> something to do with Play football. Play good football. It's been eight and a half years since we did this. I know, if just... you were on episode 47, this Absolutely. is episode 437 yeah. and there's been loads of specials, so it's over 400 episodes of this have gone by. I thought it was about a month. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like eight and a half years, it was September. Yeah. It was the 29th of September 2014. Christ. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, I remember Christ, woman. That, <laughs> that bit. Okay. Yeah. That's all I remember. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that bit. Uh, I didn't listen back, so, but I thought... I said that... Christ, woman, and yeah. I said it sounded like She-Hulk or something. Okay, like, yes. Like a superhero. Right. That's right, good, that's good. Yeah. Well, what, when someone hasn't been on for ages, the good thing is I just think I'll only look at stuff they've done since 2014, <laughs> so then I, can't, then I can't repeat myself. But there is one question I have to ask you, before, and I think everyone will want to know the answer to this. Uh, if you were stuck in a lift with a sentient <laughs> jar of pickles... <laughs> that claimed to be your long-lost brother, would you believe him? And if so, would you risk tasting his briny essence to confirm his identity? Or would you prefer to remain a cucumber coward? Uh, yes or no? <laughs> it's, a hard, it's a hard one to Why answer. Why would his briny essence confirm he was my long-lost <laughs> brother? That's, you know, there's more questions than answers. You see, they're question. not going to take over the world. That's not the cheering <laughs> test, is it? <laughs> it is. But, you know, would that be... Maybe if you had a long-lost brother, would you give him a lick just to... <laughs> the pheromones and stuff then within... Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not sure pheromones are the right thing to talk about with your own brother, but... I always uh, think... One, pheromones always make me think of Persis Cambata. Do you right. know what I mean by that? No. Anyone? She, thank you. She played uh, Lieutenant Ilea in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Okay. It's the first time I ever came across pheromones. <laughs> okay. She, you remembered. Good. It's, well, it's good when you, you and I are very good at finding one person who remembers yeah. what we're talking about in the audience, which is good. Uh, and also, last time you were on, I had a terrible cold, and you had a cold and a bad back, and I've got a bad cold again. So maybe that's just been going on for eight and a half years. Yeah. Easily. Um, but uh, it's a weird coincidence that I'm ill for both of these. I may be uh, allergic to you. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that From a distance. what's happened. <laughs> what's going on. How many people have you had back? I mean, quite a few. Yeah. Yeah, you run out. Uh, Adam Buxton's been on eight, eight times. In, 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 Adam Buxton in, oh, yeah. in various forms because there's different. Does he, does he take different forms now? He takes. He's been a butterfly. He probably can, but yeah, there's some people who come back more, and, and also some people are in double acts and then come back in the singly or with the. I don't, yes. yeah, so, but yeah, sometimes we, you know, we're always welcome, Mark, to come back it's at any time you want. Or in eight and a half. We can just rep- put you in for eight and a half years. Every eight and a half years. <laughs> like an MOT. Um, I have a question. I've got questions for you from AI. This is why I'm not going to be replaced. 
by AI. These, I said for some questions from Mark Gatiss, and it's disappointing. What is your favourite episode of Sherlock that you wrote or acted in? No. What is your, what, what your favourite... I mean, this is bad. This is like a child with... When I had that ch- Welsh children... Child would be better. Welsh children used to write my questions, and they were much oh, better than this. Yeah. What is your favourite memory of working with the cast and crew of Sherlock? No. <laughs> if you could play any role in Doctor Who... What would it be? This is poor. It's very bad. So I'm g- it's gonna, we're going to yeah. have to stay with me. I've got yeah. a question from Robin Asquith, the, oh, uh, yeah, good. the star of Conf- the Confession <laughs> series. He's, I think he's a real person. But he's, he, he looks is. so young. Maybe he is AI. Yeah, maybe. Could be artificial. I mean, is it, is it intelligence? Is Timmy Lee intelligent enough <laughs> to be called artificial intelligence? Uh, he, uh, he said, ask him if he enjoyed the resist- resistible rise of Artu- Arturu Ui at the Darlington Hippodrome in 1982. He knows I did. Because it was a formative experience for me. Robin Asquith of the Confessions films was in Brecht's The Resistible Rise of Arturo Ui, which I saw on a school trip. And he was absolutely brilliant. And uh, I've never forgotten it. And it ends, you know, the bit at the end when he pulls off the moustache, talks about fascism and the beast that bore her is in is on heat again. It really stayed with me. He was brilliant. He's a very good actor. He's a very good actor. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a, he's been a guest on this as well, and he's, he's a very... He, well, I, I love the fact that he's open to talk about all that stuff in the 70s, yeah. but it's sort of... That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because he could have been, he could have been remembered as being this incredible actor, which I think he still is, but he, also those... The film, the film choices he made in the 70s have uh, he's also been, He's been curious. He's been adopted um, uh, by a lot of clever people who don't seem to mind that the films were really terrifying and yeah. wrong. <laughs> He's a sort of symbol of a different age, isn't he? he I is. found out something amazing the other day. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, I do. So you know uh, Denville Hall, the actor's retirement home? Yes. There's another one called... Um, oh, I'll have to come back to... Anyone now? No. Uh, there's another one down the road... Uh, and that's for light entertainment. Oh, really? <laughs> Denville Hall is sort of legit. The other one, which begins with a B, it's like Brindley Hall or something, is for light entertainment. And I just thought, well, that's an amazing sitcom. That's never been good. <laughs> sort of rivalry between the two. And apparently, um, uh, Richard O'Sullivan, who is there and has been there for many years, yeah. shares a, f- a flat with Mike Yarwood. No. Is that amazing? Yeah. That's another sitcom we've been denied. <laughs> Who are you going to be today? Yeah. Amazing. And this is me, <laughs> says Mike, every day. Well, it is sort of... I mean, I was, today I was watching um, Nolly, uh, which you play Larry Grayson in, and they're, they're, which is about um, uh, Crossroads and... Uh, what's her name? Noel Gordon. Noel Gordon. Yes. That's, I can only think of Nolly now. I've been watching it. Noel Gordon. And, 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 and it is that... There were people who are big stars, and Larry Grayson is a must have been a really interesting person to play because he is uh, he is that figure that he had that long period before he became famous, and then he was whooped super famous in the UK, mm. and then disappeared again basically. So I mean, yeah, it's a strange thing. He was basically a thirty-year overnight success story. He was a club comic, very you know just just a just doing his stuff for years. Then an agent from ATV saw him, I think it was Michael Grade, and got him a spot on an ATV variety show. He was such a success, he got his own show, Shut That Door, and then amazingly, and this never happens, Bruce Forsyth left the Generation Game at the height of his powers to go to ITV for the money, never a good idea. And some <laughs> genius 
thought of Larry Grayson. So unlikely. Yeah. And it was even better, you know. Yeah. But then it's like 10 years of absolutely ruling the roost and then he just stopped. That's the end of that. But I, I'm very, I've become hugely fond of him. Watching him again, you realise what a masterful comic he was and how, how, how beautiful it is to see his control, as I say. You know, he's, he's just, he was born for camera three. He just has to go. And <laughs> he gets a huge laugh. And it's just, it's filthy stuff. Yeah. But it's also very gentle and kind of... And Russell T. Davis said to me, he said, I, did, I wonder if, if there was a story in Larry, but there isn't. He right. was just lovely. Right. Everyone loved him. He lived in Nuneaton, used to wave to everybody, lived with his elderly sister. She looked after him, he looked after her. It's just charming, really. Yeah. And when, so when you, you get... You, know, you played real people quite a lot. Mm. When you get to play someone like that, is there, is there a lot of... Re- are you doing a lot of research into... Yeah, well, it's mostly watching videos and getting yeah. the voice and, the, and I got the teeth quite quickly. So, <laughs> um, But it's, it's always an interesting thing. I'm, a, I'm about to play John Gielgud at the National Theatre and uh, it's such an interesting process listening to it a lot, trying to get the voice and trying to place it in, a, in your voice, you know, and yeah. things like that. But Larry was um, it's quite challenging because he's, he's actually deeper than you imagine. And then it kind of floats off somewhere else, you know. But as soon as I had the chair and the teeth, I was all right, you know. <laughs> and the, 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 one of the most amazing things about doing it was... Um, uh, so Helena Bonham Carter comes to see me in my show and we shot it at Stockport Plaza uh, with, like, 150 extras. And it was like a quiet matinee. <laughs> and I had to do it. I just had to do the act for, you know, and, and um, it was so, it was quite addictive, actually. I thought I might tour it. <laughs> <laughs> well, people Shut do... that door again. <laughs> people do, do, you know, do take a yeah. someone's act and, and do it in an interesting way. Yeah, I saw that um, poster for that Faulty Towers dining <laughs> experience. Uh, yeah, that made me go a bit funny. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that exactly. Though that would be you doing <laughs> Larry Grayson dining experience. Or the actual, yeah. the League of Gentlemen doing a League of Gentlemen dining experience, but with you actually in it. That Do would you know, be amazing. I'll tell you what, here's a strange story. When we did our last tour in uh, 2018, um, we got to, um, I think it might have been Oxford or maybe York, I can't remember. But we arrived at the stage door and there was someone in the theatre watched us troop through and he went, ah, the originals. <laughs> and I thought, is someone touring? Uh, is someone touring as us without us knowing about it? Really weird. And here's a strange story. Uh, our, our tour manager manages uh, Queen. Yeah. And he's also weirdly in charge of looking after the tribute acts. Because Roger Taylor apparently was once one of like devisers and it was a loose end. And he went to see a Queen tribute act and he, he thought they were so shit. He decided <laughs> that Queen should to, should look after them. So they've taken them all in. And you have to, they, have, they have auditions for the tribute bands. Isn't that amazing? Sort of power mad. It is what whole, I was seeing Sasha Baron Cohen, because Sasha Baron Cohen was meant to be in uh, the Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then fell out with them because uh, they wanted... They said, there's an amazing thing that happens halfway through the film. He goes, oh, what's that? He goes, Freddie dies. Yeah. They go, what? Is what you're putting in the... You're yeah. doing a sort of Pulp Fiction, putting the... End in the middle. No, no, that's the, then it's about the band. The, rest of that, I know. the band coming there's back, a, and that was what there's a it. fabulous lack of self awareness. Yeah, I remember watching the the Baftas when Rami Malek won, and whoever was presenting 
was in a generalised way saying, you know, there's no Morecambe without Wise, there's no Queen without Freddie Mercury, <laughs> and, and Roger Taylor and Brian and, and, um, and uh, Brian May in the background just going. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, far and, as it's, we're, and it's better. better. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I want—I I, I never, I didn't see this uh, play, but I, I'm fascinated. I saw you talking about it on uh, BBC Breakfast or a clip. Uh, you played Jacob Marley and directed your own version of the Christmas. I know. I wrote it. It was directed by Adam Penn. Oh, you wrote yeah. it, right? Yeah, it's coming back. To Is it? Oh, great. Ali, Ali Pally, uh, not with me though. This, um, this Christmas. I because I've always been quite obsessed with Jacob Marley. Me too. That's why. Uh, and like, it's it been a bit unfair. On him, why did no ghosts come to warn? It's, he's quite nice, isn't he, to come back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in the Muppets, there's two of them, <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back like twice. Dangers and intervention <laughs> for his friend. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a very yeah. nice thing to do, and yeah. yet you never hear from. It, I don't think. Maybe you addressed this. Someone told me you changed, you rewrote the end of Christmas Carol. Oh, maybe. Well, I can't. We can't talk it's about it. It's very faithful. Back. Otherwise, it's it's a. Uh, I love it. I've always loved it. What well, the, the yeah. Albert Finney version? I saw. When I was four, it was one of the very first things I ever saw at the cinema, and it really left a mark on me. And I, I've always loved the idea of weirdly that it is too late for Marley. I quite like that. Yeah. Uh, and Scrooge is the one who's given the chance, you know. But it's, um, yeah, it was, it was strange because it was always my, it was the last question I was always any, any parts you'd love to play, and I would always say. I always wanted to play Jacob Marley, waiting for someone to offer it. <laughs> Basically, I just had to do it myself. But then I. Did it, and then it's like, all oh, right. I've got to think of something else now. <laughs> I want to play an AI generator. I think <laughs> it's interesting to want. I mean, you know, I think it's a good choice, but it's interesting to choose Marley over Scrooge. Yeah, well, uh, I suppose what I less so, to do is just it, no. That's the crazy thing. I mean, literally <laughs> having written it, and it never occurred to me until we actually got to rehearsals that I wasn't in it very much. <laughs> but I play all lots of other people in it, you know, sure. so it was all fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I you know I don't I don't know whether Scrooge is worth saving. You know, I mean, I know there's versions of it. I know the musical version they, it has a bit more of a backstory, and he's yeah had a, had a b- bad life, and then maybe you know he deserves yes. retribution. But why why bother saving Scrooge? I mean, I think Marley's nicer than Scrooge. It should be the other way around. There should be a, a, a modern version with Jacob Rees Mogg, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he'd just send them packing, wouldn't he? Or in fact, any of them, really. Yeah. yeah. It's the only thing that can save this government is a visitation by three spirits. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't care. They no. Wouldn't care. They'd keep on arguing that they the, were right. On the little boats and send them back. <laughs> they do. On the river sticks. <laughs> send them back to Hades, where they belong. Um, I'm just the river shtick. That's quite good. <laughs> river shtick. Good job. <laughs> um, I'm disappointed that uh, in most of your work, you have, after a, a strong start, you failed to put Tim from the office in very much of the stuff you've done. You put, you put Tim from the office in Sherlock, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then he's hardly been in anything else. I know. Sad, isn't it? And you haven't even put a Shrek in, so I'm disappointed in that. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, look, you're doing, I mean, you're doing, as you're saying, you're doing lots of exciting things uh, in the theatre. You directed The Unfriend. Which I was going to see, but COVID. Was it COVID? I got. I was on the train into oh, London, coming from Hertfordshire, yeah. having spent money, a lot of money on tickets, 
saying the, the performance has been cancelled. Yeah. So our big de- we booked in month, w- weeks no. before me and my wife's you date. Still, you've got till the end of April. You're fine. You can go again. Yeah, it was. It was COVID, and it was. I haven't stra- had my money back yet. It was strange because it felt. I thought, well, it, everyone's going to go down with this, and we, we seem to be the only theatre. Right. So it was like a sort of strange outbreak. But, yeah, we, but we tell us about it. the tell us about the unfriend because it's, it's, uh, it's had uh, fantastic reviews. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's Stephen Moffat's first play, and uh, it's uh, it's based on a true story. Yeah, uh, Stephen and Sue's um, friends Peter and Debbie were on a cruise. And they met this very funny, vivacious American woman, slightly, well, more than slightly non-PC, uh, but everyone loved her. And they, they did that thing. They swapped email addresses, never thinking that she'd got in touch. And then a few months later, she got in touch and said, hey, I'm coming to London. So they invited her over with them and stay with them and the kids. And then Peter uh, Googled her because he thought, we don't really know anything about her. So he Googled her and then he rang his wife, Debbie, at work said, you know, um, Elsa is coming to stay with us and the kids, yes. He said, I've just Googled her. Don't Google her. Uh, What's the worst thing you can imagine about her? And she said, I don't know, she's a murderer. Yes. (laughs) And she was. She was a serial killer. And she got off. She killed two people, got off on a technicality, served a year in prison, roaming the world. So they emailed her and said, we've Googled you. They never heard from her again. And then Peter told this story idly to Stephen on holiday. He just went, can I have that? <laughs> and then in the story, of course, they're basically too English to say no. Yes. And then everything <laughs> goes wrong from there. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and with that go, is that going to just, is that running till April and then that's it? Or will that, will I that don't, go? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to know in the current climate, as they say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's certainly, the current cast can't continue. Yeah. So, but ideally, you know, it would it would be great if it ran for longer. But it's about getting a theatre, finding the right cast, etc. But hopefully, if it's not immediate, maybe it'll come back. But I did hear an amazing story the other day. I'm not sure I should tell you this. So I'm going to tell you. Um, someone I know who knows Susan Hill, who wrote The Woman in Black. Yeah. Now, the stage show of The Woman in Black, which you have you seen? No, I haven't. It, you should. It's brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. It's so simple, and it was written as a stopgap. In the summer of 1989, and all they had was two actors. It's like, what? This will be easy, and it has run for 33 years. It's every producer's dream of how to, you know, you know, it costs nothing. It's brilliant. It's incredibly effective, and uh, they're finally, it's finally coming off the Fortune Theatre and going on tour. And this, my friend who knows Susan Hill said she's really furious about it, <laughs> and he said, Susan. It's run for 33 <laughs> fucking years. And it was supposed to last for about two weeks. So she's done fine out of that. Yes. Yeah. So maybe 33 years of The Unfriend would be great. <laughs> and is, how was it uh, directing Reese in, in this? Was that, oh, was great, that, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's an interesting dynamic with someone you've known so long and worked with in a different capacity. Yes. But I suppose you just have to, you have to, you know run the room and, and go for it. I mean, there's a certain amount of... I mean, he's he's an absolute genius, comic genius. So he's come up with some amazing stuff and it continues to grow, sometimes a little too much, you know. But there's a... <laughs> I, I saw it uh, a couple of weeks ago and there's a whole sequence where he has to... He has to gird his loins to knock on a toilet door to speak to somebody. And he just built in this fantastic new thing where he he sort of rehearses it because he can't bear to say it. 
and it was it's just come out of nowhere you know right. so it's been yeah great fun actually i have to say and, and also lovely um to spend time with him i mean funny in the last couple of years because i did inside number nine yeah, and then exactly. the unfriend and um and something and then steve and reese and i did good good omens uh in, oh, yes, course, in yeah. scotland we actually suddenly did loads together again after years and it was it yeah. was really good fun is that okay? Is it you know? It's kind of interesting the way it's it's fractured and separated off into the, 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 those two working together a lot and you occasionally popping in. Is that <clears> is that how you is that how you wanted it to go? Is that is that? Well, is it wasn't that... a plan. We just when we, we, we in two thousand and five we um, we did a second tour, a big tour, and the film. And then we saw, we did have one of those lunches you used to read about in memoirs <laughs> about what we should do next. And we, we sort of all wanted to do different stuff, I think. So yeah. that's it. But, you know, we're obviously still very good friends and and we do collaborate. So it's sure. it's nice. And, and, you know, as a student of comedy, that's what I always loved about Monty Python, that, you know, yeah. that, that John Cleese turned up in Ripping Yarns and they did each other's films and stuff like that. I always thought that was really touching and... And uh, something to aspire to, I guess. You sure. know. It was a very strong episode. It was, a, you know, it was oh, yeah. they waited a long time to. Yeah, and it was yes, it was nine. the right one, wasn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. it was about a reunion, yeah. so it, it, it was full of ghosts in a way. You know? <laughs> was it fun being out on that in that boat? Yeah, although I, the, the one I felt for was uh, Diane Morgan because she was fantastic. Yeah. But but you know, the three of us together, we just basically talk in a secret language, <laughs> and, uh, and you, you know, you pick up where you left off, don't you? And, and uh, I think sometimes she looked at us slightly askance because we didn't know what we were talking about. But it was great fun. Although pedalos are really hard. They really are so hard. I remember being on holiday as a kid thinking it looked like so much fun. And then like two minutes in, you're going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Mom deserves the best. And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right, I'm going to ask you uh, some AI-generated yes, emergency yes. questions. This is the big test. Yeah, it's not the AI has not done so well so far, but let's see if uh, we, we can win it round. Um, what would be a good emergency use for a giant Toblerone? 
Um, Home Secretary. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Um, I mean, some of these are better than others. If you had to create a new type of breakfast cereal, what would you call it and what would it contain? Ooh. I mean, that's quite a sort of apprentice-style question. Yeah, God. I had a um, Dishoom breakfast the other day. Have you had one? No. Oh, yes, I have. What, yeah. the, the Indian I mean, place. you wouldn't necessarily think about having an Indian for breakfast, but it was like a, it was basically baking an egg, baking a sausage roll with chutney. Yes. Lovely. Yeah, I had something there. I can't remember what it was, but it was yes. terrific. Maybe something but I know it's not, that's not a cereal, isn't it? No. Um, well, I, I imagine they've all been thought of. <laughs> I don't have a curry cerealist, but you know, yes. I think a curry cereal, you might be I, onto something. I here. wouldn't do that. <laughs> Vindaloo Are there cereal? Any, any missing cereals that have cereal crops? Oh, cereal crops. I'm so, I, I've thought of one, but I can't say. Why? Well, it's, it would be awful. <laughs> well, there is indeed no rape cereal. Okay. Yeah? You see? <laughs> That's unfortunate for yeah. the rape that it's got that name. Yeah. Uh, a Vindaloo brand, come, that would be, it would be well, a yes. very good start be, to the day. Cause and effect. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we've got it. So we're doing well. Um, all right, uh, this, this, there might be some improvisational in this. If you were to give a cat a human voice, what would it sound like if it sang the national anthem? <laughs> I don't know if that's a different national anthem, if that's the cat national anthem that you have to make up, or whether they're singing God Save the King. What voice would it have? Well, if it's got a human voice, it's not a good question, is it? Oh, it's very strange. Very strange. Well, I'll do one more. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> How many episodes is this? Is this is episode 437. May, so maybe it, the end. It might be, we might have it. Some of these, because then I went to make them more complicated. So I've got a few. So what do you put into it then? Well, I'd really just put right, right an emergency question in the style of Richard Herring, and that kind of worked quite a lot. And then I said, oh. right, a more complex one. I don't, let's see what this is. If a monkey had a magic wand and the ability to cast spells, could they use it to create a portal to a parallel dimension that they would then be able to control the inhabitants of that dimension, or would they be subject to the whim of the, of the magical creatures of said dimension? What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like a... I think it's a yes or no question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you think we should... I don't think we should give monkeys that power. Yes. And I don't think they should be in control. <laughs> okay. well, no, do you believe in the multiverse? Do you think oh, well, I thought... I, I, you know, annoyingly, I tried to write a sitcom about this uh, a few years ago that was good, I thought. Um, uh, and then, and it was called Everything Happens for No Reason. And then the Oscar-winning film... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. ...with almost the same name. Yeah. But Channel 4 wouldn't do this. The, everyone loved it, apart from the one person who had to decide whether it went to... Series. That's because you need Richard O'Sullivan and Mike Yarwood. I get that. They have... Well, in an alternate universe, yes. that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere they're, they're doing it. Uh, I don't know if I do because I my problem with it is that even if the even if there's infinite amount of multiverses, I think there could be an infinite number of different. You know, the, the, the infinity is has different values, doesn't it? Because you can say there's an infinite number of numbers, there's an infinite number mm. of odd numbers, there's an num- infinite number of even numbers, but there's obviously, you know, you're sort of. You, you, that sort of doesn't make sense. It sort of doesn't make sense, does it? Because there's obviously d- double the amount of numbers. <laughs> if you have both... <laughs> yeah. What was the but question? What I'm saying is... <laughs> what I'm saying is I think there's an infinite number... You know, I think we could have an infinite number of universes and you and I don't crop up in any more than one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. I think it's interesting. I, I talked to a, 
a physicist once about it and about quantum theory, etc. And I said, you know, does everyone? Do you believe it? And he went, yeah, of course. But he said you can't go to work thinking about it because you because you wouldn't get through the day. It's so it's such a head fuck. Yeah. That you you just have to go. Well, this is our one. In a way, it sort of ex- it does explain an awful lot of things which are inexplicable, like ghosts and things, or time or time tracks and that sort of stuff. If you know, it seems to be feasible. It does, but then there's because I, you know, I found it all too too. I did have a book that tried to make uh, quantum physics a bit more understandable. It wasn't more understandable. But there's like a you know, there's a possibility of like eleven or twelve dimensions. So there's a possibility that we are just the shadow Oof. of the thing that is the fifth dimension. Yeah. <laughs> that we don't know what it is. So we could just be the byproduct of something else happening that we don't Do you remember know. that time that when um, a brief history of time was <laughs> that, and then the people actually I remember like people on the tube go, Right, ah, enjoy this <laughs> and they're like two pages in going, What? <laughs> it's it's not popular science, it's really difficult science. Yeah. Yes, Science is, is hard. It is too hard. <laughs> but I think that when, it, when you really get into it, it, feel, it, it might as well be religion. It's so fucking yes, insane. Yes, it, might as well be yeah. it might as well be a religion because yeah. it's more mad than any religion. Yeah. Probably will be. Yeah, good. Um, <laughs> good, we sorted that out. <laughs> so you're doing this, you're doing the National Theatre. What's, what's this, the play? It's a different play it's than. It's a play by, a new play by Jack Thorne, uh, directed by Sam Mendes, called. The Motive and the Cue, and it's about uh, Richard Burton's Hamlet on Broadway in 1964, which uh, John Gilgood directed. And it was a, it's a very, it's a lovely, very touching play. But I didn't really know anything about this production, but it was, it's a huge success, but a sort of personal disaster for both of them. Right. Because Burton hero worshipped Gilgood, but it didn't work. They did, it didn't, didn't gel. And uh, it's basically all about that. It's about, it's about, you know. Why, why we do it, why we do art, why we do theatre. Yes. It's really lovely. And, uh, and uh, Tuppence Middleton plays Liz Taylor, uh, who is the sort of uh, go-between between the two of them. So, yeah, it's lovely. Weird name, in it, Tuppence Middleton? Yeah. I call her Toopee. Yeah, she's, you should, she's from um, somewhere near Bristol, I think, isn't she originally? Don't know. I first You're the expert on the ladies. <laughs> I don't know that because I did a gig in Bristol. I think I did one of these in Bristol and, and she came up as a local resident and I found it funny. Tuppence. <laughs> it's a nice name. It's it? a nice, well, is it? Yeah, it is. My <laughs> <laughs> little old baby, let's call it Tuppence. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the name for uh, vagina, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. You're the expert on the lady. The <laughs> <laughs> reputation precedes you, Richard. Is it? I think, like, it's a childish name for the... the well, you could say that about a lot like of things. Tuppence. Yeah. Oh, you know, that's fine. Tuppence well, has got a tuppence. you say that, dick. Dick Herring, that could be something else. I would. Michael McIntyre was the first person to point out in my entire life that my name is Dick Herring. It took, it took Michael McIntyre, 2007, just before he was launched to oh, yeah. stardom. I, I think that was the that, moment. That's much bluer than his usual material. <laughs> but isn't that weird that, I nev- that that never occurred to me or the many people who tried yes. to make jokes about my name? <laughs> and so like, that's why Michael McIntyre's genius is. Yeah. He managed to take that down to the three parts <laughs> and make it about uh, anal sex. Uh, so that... that 
the National Theatre. This is you're also working on a is it a, a play the, the way old friends do, which mm. is that's the one's about. I saw a little ad popped up on Instagram for that one. That is written by my husband, and okay. I directed that. That's just finished. A Birmingham Rep is now on tour, coming okay. to London next week. Okay, uh, it's about the world's first ABBA tribute band in drag. That's not a true story. <laughs> <laughs> it's about two old school friends who meet up again in middle age and they had a kind of triggering experience as kids when they did some other songs at school. It went very badly wrong and then they have the idea to to um, fill a, an unnecessary gap <laughs> by doing uh, an ABBA tribute band in drag, which amazingly no one has done. It's not been thought of. Right, yeah. So it's a, yeah. And, that, and sort of that's become... Uh, not quite topical, but the dr- the drag thing yes, has turned into this sort of strange, isn't it? Yeah, very strange. So strange how also it's sort of drag is like the victim of its own success because if it hadn't begun gone so mainstream because of RuPaul. I don't think it would be now ammunition in the culture war the way it is. No, it's. Just, I was just saying to you, wasn't I? It's, it's now as of yesterday illegal to do drag in in uh, Connecticut. I sort of, it's the beginning of something. It's just so terrifying. There's that John Stewart um, interview pointed out. It's like, the, the problem is guns, it's not lipstick. <laughs> uh, it's just astonishing how, how mad America has got. And, uh, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to get our pound shop version of it. Yes. And it already are, I think. The way, the way that certain things are being used to, to, um, to wep- are, are being weaponized in this sort of phony war yeah well it's know. artificial you know it's, yeah. it's, making, it's artificial outrage yeah i'm making a problem that isn't there yeah. surely i mean there yeah. is, it's not when like, there are actual problems yeah yeah very big ones yeah, yeah. so it's a distract and distraction yeah. thing yeah. but it, it all, it's also sort of going uh, what you know what if people in drag art drag went into schools and started mm. having mm. sex with each other yeah which isn't what drag is about yeah. yes. <laughs> uh and then and then oh that's what's happening yeah Well, there's so much of that, isn't it? It's a confirmation bias that that the idea is floated and then people, you know, my my father-in-law will then repeat it back to you because the Daily Express says it's actually happening. Yes. And then you get this extraordinary vicious circle of of self-belief and confirmation. It's going, you you know, the mythical they. Yes. I see they're doing. They've banned this now, and you go. They haven't. They haven't. Whoever they are, they haven't. Yeah. But he, they, he, they believes it, and uh, and then you can't. You cannot break that. It becomes a matter of faith. That's the thing. It's weird. It's it's back to religion. It's a sort of zealotry, isn't it? I think, like Brexit. It's like a. Despite all the evidence, it, it is a question of faith, and they they would rather die than than say opposite. No. Yeah. Do you feel it's a? I mean, is that a big portion? Is it? Is it like? A, well, they're in the yes. fucking government. They are. They're in charge of us. Yeah. So yes, we're afraid so. I mean, you read those polls every day about yeah. how much it's dwindling and how people are want to rejoin, etc. But unfortunately, the ruling party doesn't want to engage with that, and nor does the opposition. No. So it's we we are living in a gas-filled world of of misinformation and. I just, some of it, I just you know, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sunat the other day, with his Northern Ireland Accord, his Windsor Agreement, nothing to do with the king, <laughs> but called by his name, uh, and he actually stood there and said, this is amazing, it gives the Irish people all the advantages of the, of the free market. And you're going, I mean, the, the smell of gas was overpowering. <laughs> it's like, how can you do that? 
with a straight face, yeah. you know. Jesus, God. Do you, do you think it will, you know, is it, a, is it a period of madness or do you think it will deflate and go away or and people are, will someone sensible take over I think and sort things out? For my, my personal feeling is that what will happen is it will become the settled idea that it was a terrible idea, yeah. but no one will ever actually say it. It'll just be quietly, yeah, we shouldn't have done that. But by which time the, the, the economic and, uh, and, and damage uh, is absolutely off the chart. But yeah. then, I don't know, honestly, to sound like a Daily Express leader, <laughs> I don't know what's happened to this country. <laughs> the, the fact that we are just cheerfully filling our drinking water with excrement <laughs> and no one seems, well, apart from Fergal Sharky, who saw that coming, um, <laughs> is any, able to do anything about it. It's yeah. just mad. It's like we're just spiralling into madness. And, and yeah, I don't want to... I'm a natural optimist, but it's, it's taken a hit, I have yes. to say. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, but that's... So in, in the cause of... It's interesting with the Larry Grayson thing, which, is, which, which sort of comes up in, in the piece, is Larry Grayson is surprised that, you know, like the younger generation in the 1970s, 80s, yeah. they're able to, like... Hold hands. Hold hands and show yeah. affection. Yeah. He does, sort of doesn't like it. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we've moved on a long way from there. Mm. Uh, I, I, I mean, I hope it won't pull back well, the, the that's direction. the danger. You know, we imagine progress just keeps progressing, and it, in fact, there are you know constant backward backpedaling. You know, or yeah. or you just think, oh well, you know, genuinely, this country uh, at the time of the Olympics, I think there was a general and genuine feeling that we were in a good place. Yeah, something good was happening. It was it, the, the Olympics was a massive success. We felt forward looking. Um, David Cameron was prime minister, but it was okay. He was pretty <laughs> progressive. And Jesus, how ten years later, it's un- un- unbelievable, unrecognizable. And there's so much of it is totally unnecessary. It's just manufactured outrage and and belligerence and nastiness. And people like Suella Braverman, fuck me, what is she? She makes Peter Patel look nice. <laughs> I mean, she's barely human. She's just, she's just evil, and it's it's nastiness for the sake of it. Remember, yeah. Theresa May famously said, "People still think of us as the, as the nasty party." They're going, "Well, you should look at look ahead in the future." Gosh, it's gone very political, hasn't it? It's quite exciting. Well, I was going to move on to Game of Thrones, which I'm not sure is uh, <laughs> it's the same. Thing. It's going to change the subject. But you, you got to be in uh, a few episodes of that. Yes, yes. Was that was that uh, you know? It, it, it's a it's a lovely career you have. It seems to me. I mean, all all of you legal gentlemen guys mm. have very nice things going on. Yes, it's uh, been but, lovely. It's all but, been lovely. <laughs> but you uh, get to do you know. Writing, directing, acting, and then you, you can crop up in the in a blockbuster. Well, it was a. I mean, that was. I, I just I auditioned for it. I, I went in one of those ways. I mean, about five, four or five episodes, I think. But um, I didn't really. I knew of it, but yeah. I didn't. I hadn't seen it or anything like that, and uh, I hardly seen it at all. It's not. Uh, and and. But at the time, people would bombard me with questions. <laughs> and I had no idea what they were talking about. And I, I've said this before, but I always, gr- growing up as, uh, loving Doctor Who, I always loved reading interviews with old actors who'd been in it in the past. 
who had very sketchy recollections, <laughs> but they'd always say things like, I didn't know what it was on, I was talking about, but it was such fun. And they remember the pubs and things like that. And I sort of always wanted to have it, to be in something that was like that for me, where I had no stake in it. Yeah. And Thrones was like that. I just, people would ask me who should be on the Iron, the, the Iron Throne, and um, I'd go, me, <laughs> just randomly. <laughs> or, or I'd remember a name from the scene and just sort of pluck it out. Yeah, but it was great fun. And... Uh, I went to Croatia for one of them, which was delightful. And um, but it was just—it's funny to be on the fringes of something that massive, yes. you know, because you don't really have—I say—you don't have a stake in it in the same way. Yeah. And I, uh, on IMDb, with this, which is not always correct, it says you're going to be in Mission Impossible. Is that oh yes, I'm in Mission Impossible. So have you filmed that already? I've done. Yes. I, uh, um, it's so it's seven and eight. Okay. Which are, it, but it's parts one and two. So like Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. It's called uh, Dead Reckoning, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, parts one and two, which okay. I, I've done, yes, I've done that. You've done, and you've done film, the film them both? Uh, I, well, so uh, it is, I've definitely finished the first one, because okay. that's coming out in the summer. The second one, uh, I did a month on last year, and I think there'll be more, because it, it's basically in a state of constant production. <laughs> Because they, they have more money than anyone in the world. <laughs> and it just rolls on. It's an absolutely extraordinary experience. Yeah. Brilliant, but kind of mind-blowing because it's so vast, you know? Yeah. And Simon Pegg is still in, yeah. in that. I mean, that, so that's, you know, the 1990s yeah, the comedy scene. <laughs> <laughs> it's well it's, represented. It is. Yeah. Turning up in... Yeah. It's, it's sort of, you know, I think with some like... Simon and Peter Zerovinovich, who end up being in sort of Star Wars after... Mm. I've just started watching Star Wars with my son, who, who calls uh, Darth Vader Dark Vader, which I think is a better yeah, name. That's good, that's good. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, they, and, and similarly, you know, our generation would have watched that, not quite at his age, but, you know, and, and then to end up being in those films. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. But yeah. it's also, it's sometimes quite strange because you're sort of looking at yourself... As an eight-year-old, thinking what what would that be like, but also, you're you're not that age, you know. So yeah. I always said this when I when I was in finally in Doctor Who, it was, um, it was strange because I I know David Tennant for years, and uh, I knew I, I was already writing on the show. So in a, in a way, just sitting in that trailer was like another job. Yes, and then then suddenly I just got this kind of absolute pang of. Saturday nightness, and it was like you know, but it's it is. I'm sure. I mean, Simon feels the same. I know it's quite weird to actually to think this is actually happening now. And is it just so? I mean, I I can't imagine sort of being thrown into that world and being presumably alongside Tom Cruise and acting alongside Tom Cruise. Is that are you at the point now that that seems normal and it doesn't affect you? Or because I'd just be going fuck your Tom Cruise well, too, in the scene, and he'd go, that's probably spoiled that scene. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not actually Tom Cruise in this uh, film. They just do retake. <laughs> no, the 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 really odd thing about that is that he he's there all the time. So you, he's very very generous and funny and available. But he's there all the time, so you do get used to it. And then every now and then, I would just I'd literally catch in the corner of my eye and just go. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a poster. Yeah, is in front of you, and you know he's. Um, he's a little, and he's three years older than me, but he's been right. around all my movie going life. Really. Yes. It's just an extraordinary thing. So, yeah, the, the answer is yes or no. Yeah. You kind of get used to it, and then occasionally you just go, This is absolutely <laughs> insane. 
Okay. And do you feel the need to do your own stunts once you see him yeah, yeah. flying off? A, I saw yeah. a, quite a long clip of him building up to... I don't know if this is in the, this film. I've never actually watched any of them. Oh, they're really films. good. <laughs> you should, they're good. But uh, he, he goes... He, he flies off a cliff on a motorcycle and then parachutes yeah. down. So into I get, I'll tell you the story. Uh, so the script is always a work in progress. And... Everyone was terrified, and, and we hadn't. We only got like the a few pages the day before, but it was quite complicated stuff. And um, you turn up like, and I, a friend of mine, Indira Varma, was in, uh, in the first one. I didn't realize. And we saw each other across the room, and uh, she just went, "Oh, thank God!" <laughs> we sort of clung to each other, uh, but you know, we were desperately trying to cram all this technical stuff into our heads, and then they. Tom showed us this video of him doing this stunt where he drives a motorbike off a Norwegian fjord seven times. <laughs> yeah. And the video shows that he trained for a year. Yeah. And you just watch, and then you think, maybe I can remember those words. <laughs> uh, but, my God, I mean, it's incredible. He, and I said to Chris McQuarrie, the director, um, didn't, you know, didn't studios wouldn't allow their lead to do the stunts. And he said, you try and stop him. <laughs> uh, it's uh, incredible. I mean, yeah. he's, he knows no fear. There's another video you might have seen, I think it was Christmas time, where he wishes everyone happy holidays. Oh, yeah. Virtually, basically from the stratosphere. <laughs> yes. he's just, you, can see, you can see space above him. <laughs> and then he just falls backwards. Absolutely. I mean, he must be missing that, you know, that nerve, the, the fear. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I wouldn't like to do that. <laughs> Talking of working with impressive people, though. Now, when you were on, which we did talk about last time, you were on uh, this morning, Rich Not Judy, you played uh, uh, Greg Evergan, memorably. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've worked with I him. made this. I don't know if you've worked with Greg. I was watching a clip of my two dads the other day. Is he still alive? I think he is. Yes. I think he is. Uh, the other dad did better, of course. The other dad was um, Paul Reiser, I think, wasn't he? Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah so he he's went, was in Alien and many other things. and Just been in... Um, what's that? Uh, the sitcom he's in. It's been cancelled, uh, but it was really good. Ah, never mind. It's got uh, Key or Peel in it, one of those. Uh, right, um, you've worked with... Uh, you, you played Anthony Hopkins in a sketch that we wrote. That's right. About... Uh, yeah. Him writing letters to various co-stars. That's right. Uh, and each time there was this sort of forbidden romance that was building up. 84 Charing Cross Road. Yeah, yeah. 84 Charing Cross Road and the yeah. one where he was a butler. What was that one called? Remains of the Day. Remains of the Day. Yeah. Uh, and each time he would end the letter. Yes, PS. I am wanking. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes um, I've never forgotten it. You, uh, you finally, uh, finally got to work with Anthony Hopkins yeah. himself on The, the Father. Did, did, did this come up? Yes, I, he's a, <laughs> he he brought it up. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I might. Yes, he emails me a lot. Does actually, he? So I might. And does he ever end? P.S. Yeah. I am waiting. <laughs> <laughs> he has yet to do so. I mean, but the, I might remind him of it. The beauty of uh, Lee and Harry sketches is no one really is aware of them. <laughs> that's, that's, the lucky thing is that you know, uh, that become very successful and you become known as yeah. Anthony Hopkins wanking. <laughs> it probably would have made it quite. Just come difficult. to my attention. <laughs> <laughs> he, do you think he'd have? Do you think he would find it? Has he got a good? Oh sense yes, of humor? He he's it. a very funny man. Is he? Yeah. He was. Um, he was everything you'd want him to be. Really. Yeah. Know? Just. I mean, he he, he very quickly realised that I'd seen everything he'd ever done. <laughs> They go, Jesus Christ! You haven't seen that one, have you? <laughs> uh, but and then I, I just make him do 
all my favourite stories, <laughs> you know, which is he does this brilliant one. I never I read it somewhere years ago about about it was about not being overawed, really. Yeah. Um, and he was in a production of The Country Wife in the West End, and uh, his mum and dad were coming to see it, and Olivier suddenly rang and said, "I'm coming tonight," and he sweated cobs about about his parents and Olivier being in the same dressing room. And they came round and Olivier came round and then his dad was talking to Olivier about football in the corner <laughs> and he was, like, chewing his nails and just like, oh... God. And eventually, uh, Olivier made his excuses and went and he said, Dad, that, you know, that was Lord Olivier. And his dad said, well, he breathes air, doesn't he? <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, he's full of wonderful wisdom and just that, everything you want, that amazing welsh voice and and just such a lineage you know it was it was just brilliant and then i said to him it was reese's birthday i said my friend is obsessed with magic the film where he with the adventure yeah. of me i said you wouldn't do a message he said i'll do it if you like <laughs> so he did the whole routine <laughs> you know he goes uh I'll tell. he does that he does it all the eyes rolling <laughs> Uh, sweet mystery of life at last. He did everything. Yeah. Reese uh, was beside himself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he just loves doing funny voices and stories. So, yeah, yeah he, was, he was great. Oh, man, that's, that's terrific. It's very nice to hear. Um, then he cracked one <laughs> off the end. He and cracked I, it off. And I thought, it's all true. LAUGHTER <laughs> Um, well, is there anything else that I, that's coming up that, that I don't know about, or is that'll it, do? I mean, you've got a lot of stuff going yeah, on. I know it's been a, a lot. You know, weirdly, a lot of it is COVID-related in the sense of backlog things. Yes, yes. I did the Unfriend last year. It was meant to be two years before, and so some of it is cumulative, really. Yeah. Uh, but I was just saying to you earlier, people always say to you, "Oh, you're so busy," and then I did uh, the Alan Titchmarsh show the other day, and the. They were, the, the researcher was obsessed with uh, Fear of Fanny, the thing I did with Julia Davis years ago about Fanny Craddock, and they showed a clip. There were two <laughs> questions, and I said, well, if you, don't, if you don't ask me about things I did 20 years ago, <laughs> we might have time to finish this interview. <laughs> well, we've hopefully got most oh, of the current thing, and well. Footballers' Wives, yeah. and a little bit of the old stuff in. Uh, it's always absolutely fantastic to have you. This eight and a half years ago and now, yeah. and in eight and a half years' time, which will be, what did that be? What 20, year is that? That's like 2031. Wow. God. We can't leave it that long. <laughs> okay, we'll come back before. We'll get, we'll get you guys back. Frightening. Um, Reese was on recently again. He was in very fine form, I have to say. Again, he's been on twice. He's, yeah, he's done it twice. Steve's yeah. only done it once. Oh, interesting. Yeah. What about Jeremy? Damn, Jeremy's never done it. Get him on. Jeremy. You see, you need new people. You yeah. need new blood. New blood, isn't there? Don't you? <laughs> Do you watch Portrait Artists of the Year on Sky? I haven't, no. It's one of my favourite shows. But it's interesting how often they get people back. Yeah. And I, I feel a bit disappointed by that. Like they're, they're running out of artists. You know? Yeah. You're running out of funnies. <laughs> <laughs> you want, there's you always need, new ones. You there's need always an AI. New. Yes, there's always new comics, yeah. aren't there? Yeah, yeah, they keep yeah. coming up. Yeah, damn yeah. them. Damn those youngsters. <laughs> But some of us oldies, and if we can stay alive... Long still enough, alive. Still here. Yes. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> really love to see you again, Mark. Ladies Thanks, and gentlemen, give it up. The amazing Mark Gaitis. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be back next week. One of those young comics. You have been listening to Rahula Stepper with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Mark Gaitis. 
scant regard are playing the music. That I know for sure. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker, also to Chris Evans, not that one, and all of his team. And thank you to everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre for having us along. It's been quite good fun. Uh, this is a Sky Potato, Fuzz and GoFasterStrike.com production. Thanks also to Kathleen McKeegan for her fantastic website, Rahalaspa.com. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.